Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to part five of our series, The Birds and the Bees. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. If you don't mind standing for a moment, uh, we're just going to read our opening passage of Scripture. And the reason that we stand is I love to just give honor to the Word because that's what's going to guide us today. Um, I'm not the God, uh, God's Word that I believe is inspired by Him is our God. So we just give Him honor in this place. We're in a series uh, called The Birds and the Bees. Y'all hear any of this so far? So where, where we've been... Uh, in Genesis, because we're going to be in Genesis today. Come on, somebody. We're not, we're not leaving just yet. <clears throat> so, perfection, everything was perfect, then humanity falls, and then God makes a promise, right? Like, I'm going to make this better. Where are you? Um, that's the context. You guys good? So, verse 23, it says, so the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So our first parents expelled from the garden. Now, this series, creation, sex, relationship, we haven't hit on sex yet. But are you guys ready for a little bit of sex in this place? Anyone ready? A couple people. <laughs> Lori. <laughs> Thank you. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. Dim the light, somebody. Adam made love to his wife. Whoa. <laughs> and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. And she said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. Uh, I want to speak today on the subject of baggage claim, baggage claim. Come on, let's clap our hands. You guys can find your seat in this place today. Um, hey, and as you find your seat, can you say hello to the person beside you and just say, welcome to church today? So if we, uh, if we have not yet had the pleasure of meeting, my name is Harrison, and I have the honor of leading here alongside my wife, Christy, and yeah, we're just so glad that you guys could be here today uh, at our 9 a.m. service. So if you are showing up today for the very first time, that is okay, but I want to let you know that we are literally smack dab in the middle of a series here at church called The Birds and the Bees, and this is part five. Can you, can you guys make some noise? Who, who's heard, like, a few of these messages? Now, I want to, I wanna, this, isn't to, this isn't to boast or to brag, but who's been here for all four parts so far? I love y'all. Uh, so, this series, as you guys can see from the graphic, it is a series about creation, sex, and relationships. And as I just said, we have not yet so far got into the sex and relationship part of it because we have spent four weeks talking about creation and the first three weeks of this series answering big questions. Who are we? Why am I here? What's my purpose? And then last week, uh, we talked all about gender in specific. You guys hear my wife last week, anyone? I thought, I thought she was amazing, um, looking good the whole time while she was doing it. Uh, <laughs> and 
this whole series, we've had a big thought. Like, why, like, like Harrison, why did we do four weeks talking about creation? We've said this. If we don't know where we came from, we will struggle to know who we are. If we don't know our origin stories, and this is not just true of, of, of the first um, of human, humanity, but also our individual stories as well. If we don't know where we came from, we're really going to struggle to know who we are. So if you missed any part, you need to watch it online. But for your sake, because I love you, come on, as a pastor, I love you guys. I'm going to give you a four-hour recap, four hours of messages. <laughs> I'm going to give you four hours of messages in 40 seconds. You guys ready? Here's what we've learned. Number one, we've learned that we are children of God created in his image, male and female. We said this, we are children to be loved, not tools to be used. Remember this? Had the crowbar. And we said we were created for relationships. That is our number one reason we are on earth, relationships with God and with people. However, we said because of sin, oftentimes we confuse what God has made clear, and many times we end up covering who God created us to be. That's your four-hour recap in 40 seconds. It's a little more powerful if you've been there, but check it out online. So today, I want to pivot, and I want to talk all about sex and relationships with all of this as the backdrop, because as you can tell from those four points, it means a lot of us have a lot going on. Um, Christy and I, we got married back in 2016, and I remember uh, when we got married, we, we bought our first house together, which was a duplex in Edmonton, which, cool story, ended up being the, the home of the church when it first started. Come on, somebody. Um, and I remember when we bought that first house together, um, we, we had a dream, and really Christy had a dream most specifically, that this house was going to be ours, and it was going to be distinctly how we want it to be. And so for her, she was pretty specific that she wanted the entire house to be uniform. And what she meant by that was like, she was like, babe, we're going to buy all the same plates. We're going to buy all the, like, the matching cups and all the forks and the knives. And every towel is going to be the same color. And our hangers are all going to be white. Everything in the house is going to be uniform. Now, I don't know if that was a low-key shot at my mother. Because <laughs> everything in her house is the opposite of uniform. Um, is my mom here? <laughs> so that was, that, was, that was the dream, right? And, and for us, like, so Chris had just finished nursing school. I was pastoring for a year. Um, so we didn't have, like, a ton of money, but, um, you know, we were going to make it happen. But then, then something happened. Uh, my dad decided to move uh, at the exact same time pretty well that we were moving into our house. And so he said, hey, um, I have a whole bunch of furniture do you guys want to take it? And again, we don't have a lot of money. And like when he said a whole lot of furniture, like legitimately, he had like a whole house of furniture. So couches, uh, dining room tables, beds, whole office set. Like I could go on. And again, we're in a position really where like we're not going to say no. Now the only issue is this is 2016. We had watched a little HGTV at this point. And so we wanted our house to be 2016 modern, whatever that was eight years ago. And my dad's furniture was more like mid-2000s, early 2000s, modern for that time maybe and kind of nice, um, but it was all really dark. And, you know, our, our vision was light and airy, uh, and, and his, his stuff was all dark, but we couldn't really say no. And so what ended up happening was that 
all of a sudden, we kind of had to switch the direction we thought the house was going to go. Because we were like light, airy, but then we got all this dark furniture. And so instead of painting the, the walls light, we ended up kind of painting them this dark brown color. Um, and then all of a sudden, didn't necessarily look exactly how we wanted it to look. However, there was a few areas that my dad didn't give us furniture for. Number one was our bedroom. So our bedroom was kind of a blank canvas. And so in that room, Christy really made it look like us. So the walls were painted white. There was a black feature wall, all the cool stuff. For me, my area that we didn't have furniture for was the basement. And all I really cared about was making a man cave. Come on, somebody. <laughs> a place to watch sports. So I picked out the sectional. Um, I picked out the TV. Come on, somebody. And all that kind of stuff. And so um, as you guys can kind of tell, all of a sudden the house is starting to have different components to it. Now, again, we didn't have a whole bunch of stuff, but we had some things. And like... As much as Christy like, wanted this uniform white and black towels only, I had this bright orange towel from college I loved. Because <laughs> it was really soft on my body, and so I kind of snuck that into the house. And if anyone knows my mom, um, she would not leave us empty-handed. And so what she said is, like, you guys are really going to need some blankets. Um, and so she gave us a really big, blight, bright blue blanket for our black and brown house. Now, the reason I'm telling this story is because if you can kind of get the picture, um, our first house, by the time we ended up living in it, it was kind of a smorgasbord <laughs> of styles. And suddenly what happened was this. We had this idealistic picture of what our house and what our life was going to look like. It was not going to be affected by anyone or anything, just us. But the moment you move in together, what you realize is that most of us have a little bit of baggage. And some of us, we get things that we just bring because every one of us has a bright orange towel in our lives. <laughs> Something that your partner is like, how do you even have that thing? And every single one of us, come on somebody, our parents, whether we like it or not, good, bad, or the other, give us things that we bring into our relationships. And I'm not just talking about couches. So... The end product of what happens is that our lives and our relationships end up being a big mixture of all of the things that have formed us throughout our lives. And for as much as we live in this idealistic picture sometimes that I will come into my relationship totally me and totally free, it doesn't always look like that. And so today what I want to do is I want to continue this theme of understanding where we came from. Because if we know where we came from, we'll better understand who we are. And I actually think this, as we take these next four weeks and really dive into relationships and sexuality, I think the greatest gift that you can actually bring into a relationship is knowing who you are. It is the greatest gift, yet it is probably the number one thing that most of us don't think are important when it comes into relationships. Because most of us spend our time trying to understand and learn the other person and never really understanding who we are. Um, the truth is, all of us are shaped by something. We are shaped by our families. We are shaped by our place of origin, so on and so forth. And what we have argued in this series is that we are also shaped um, by our first family, who we have seen in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. And so once again, what I want to do is I want to go back to our first family, and I want to show us some of the things that we carry from our first family to today. Can we do that? Yeah. So um, context again, just so we all know where we are. 
we're in the Garden of Eden, right? Eden is this place that's perfect. It's without sin, without blemish. God creates it all. He says it's good, so on and so forth. It's the Garden of Eden, perfection, everything is good. God creates the man, and then God creates the woman. Eve, the crown of creation. Chris talked about it in length last week. Genesis chapter 2 um, is when they get together. So let's read this. Genesis chapter 2, verse 23. It says, uh, the man said, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of a man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. So I want to give us this. We're not going to hit on it too, too much today, but I need to set this context for the next number of weeks because what we see right here is what we're going to call God's picture or God's ideal for marriage. Now, this is God's ideal, two reasons. Number one, it's pre-sin, meaning everything's perfect. And number two, God made it. You guys get that? It's before sin, yeah, yeah, all that stuff, but God also designed it. So here's God's design in a nutshell that we see from Genesis chapter 2. We see three things. Number one, we see that it is between a man and a woman. So in God's design, uh, it's, it's a heterosexual relationship. Number two, it says they became one flesh. Talking about sex, one flesh. They're one. And so this idea in God's ideal is an ideal of monogamy. So God's design, heterosexual, monogamous, and then the Bible says that they felt no shame. In other words, they were naked. So take all three of these things together and tuck it away a little bit. I'll talk a little bit on this. But here is God's picture that we get from Genesis in creation. What does God envision when he envisions marriage? Heterosexual, monogamous, and naked, meaning without shame. Now, this is where I'm back on track now. I know where I was going. I lost myself for a second. This picture of perfection, which we have seen in this series, was short-lived. And so what happens is sin comes. Adam and Eve fall, they eat the fruit, all that stuff, and immediately with sin comes shame. And so one of the very first things in God's ideal all of a sudden is gone. So the beautiful thing, if you guys remember, when they sin, God comes looking for them, right? He says, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Um, and, and so we just said, what's the first voice you hear, right, when you fall? Is it a voice of condemnation or is it the voice of God that says, where are you? And um, that's kind of how we left it. But what I want to hit on is that God's grace doesn't erase our consequences. So even, even though God will forgive us every single time, our choices have consequences. So this is the consequence we're about to see here, Genesis chapter 3. God comes searching. He promises to make it right. But it says in verse 23, the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. And after he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword. Cher cherubim is just like a, an angelic figure guarding the place. If you're like, what is that? Um, and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So what happens, because they sin, they are exiled from Eden. The Bible lets them know now they live east of Eden. 
And if you guys have ever heard of the band East of Eden or the book East of Eden, it's, 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 it's a saying that people use. And the whole idea of the saying is this idea East of Eden, it just means we're no longer in perfection. We no longer live in God's ideal. And so the consequences of the sin that Adam and Eve um, partook in was that they were banished from the garden. And so now, someone say now, now they live east of Eden. This is important because this is the context for which Genesis 4 takes place. Verse 1, it says, Adam made love to his wife Eve. She became pregnant and gave birth to Cain, and she said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept the flocks, and Cain worked the soil. Now, biblical people in this place, <laughs> you probably know how the story of Cain and Abel goes. If you've never heard of the story, um, sorry, I'm not digging into it today. But I'll let you know, it doesn't go well for the brothers. Go home and read it. Doesn't go well. But here's the point, and here's what's important when we take Genesis chapter 3 as it ends and goes directly into Genesis chapter 4. The implication is quite obvious. What it is letting us know is that the very first family unit, marriage is in the garden, but the very first family unit takes place outside of the garden. And the idea is that they are no longer in perfection. And so in church language, in church history, how we have generally said this, we have said us as humans are born into sin. We are born into a sinful world. We are born with a sin nature. Romans chapter 5 says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, that being Adam, death through sin and death came to all men because all sinned. So the idea is because of his sin, now all of us, come on somebody, are infected with that very same thing. And the implications of Genesis chapter 4 is simply this. Here's my first point. You and I have a sinful nature. Why? Because every single one of us was born east of Eden. Every single one of us in this place was born east of Eden. So here's, this, here's what this means for the context of relationships. You and I, and, and this is important, we, we've said this a lot, um, our shortfalls don't change God's strategy. Meaning even though we sin, God doesn't totally flip the plan upside down and say, no, I, you guys are no longer created for relationship. No, that stuff is still, I'm still in God's image. I'm still created for relationship. The only thing is now I live east of Eden. And what that means for every single relationship in our lives, here's the sub point, it's pretty obvious, relationships are hard. Simple as that. Relationships are hard. Why? Simple as this, because no one comes into a relationship neutral. No one comes into a relationship without having gone through some things. Because all of us are born east of Eden. And the truth is this, because I am born east of Eden, what does that mean? It means I'm born with some stuff. How many of you guys know some of us are simply just born with some stuff? I have certain predispositions. I have certain things that I don't, I don't even know. I can't trace it back. I was just born with it. And then all of us have other things that have been bred. Meaning like, this is just how my family rolls. You guys don't cuss each other out when someone's late. 
And so we come into a relationship carrying a whole bunch of stuff. And what makes it even harder in 2024 is that we are fed this cultural myth that says the purpose of my life is to find my other half. If I can just find my other half, my better half, if I can just get on The Bachelor this season, <laughs> then I'll find the one <laughs> that I was created to be with. Now, what's interesting, I, I want us to see this. I don't have the scripture, so you guys can fact check me, but we've already read it. In Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sin, it is very obvious the first relationship that is fractured. Because when they sin, if you guys remember this, it was a couple weeks ago, who's the first person they hide from? God. And the implication is that with sin, the very first relationship fractured is ours with God. And what happens is, again, we live in this cultural myth that says the reason you are the way you are is just because you haven't found your better half. You just haven't found your other half. And we almost view relationships in these terms of salvation. If you can just find your person. But what creation, what Genesis lets us know is that the first relationship, come on, that needs to be restored is our relationship with God. The first and most relationship that was fractured is ours with God, meaning it is the first relationship that must be restored. I must restore my relationship with God. Why? Because if I don't, all of my other relationships are going to suffer. Chris and I, uh, we were on a flight last week uh, to go to San Francisco, and our flight got canceled. And when I say our flight got canceled, I don't mean like beforehand. I mean like we were literally ready to take off. And I'll tell you how close we are ready to take off by the story I'm about to tell you. So um, as you guys know, right before you're about to take off, um, the stewardess will come over um, and, and give you kind of the lay of the land. And we had Malachi with us, our son, who's six months old. And so the stewardess comes over, and um, she's given us the lowdown on how to do a flight with a baby. As I said, like, we really thought we were going to take off. We didn't. Long story, not for today. But what she said, she said, gave her the whole thing, you know, hold the baby during takeoff, whatever, whatever. But then she said this. You guys probably heard this before. She said, if there's an emergency, she said, what's going to happen is that the oxygen masks are going to come down. And then she totally bypasses me, the lady, and she looks Christy square in the eye. And she says, if the oxygen mask comes down, you need to make sure that you put yours on first before you try and help your baby. Now, the reason she said that is not because she's a callous person that hates babies. It's because the implication is quite obvious. If I can't breathe, I am going to be of no use to my little baby. Here is what we believe about Jesus. We believe that he is the living water. He is the life spring of life. He is the one my soul longs for. And so the implication of why it is so important that our relationship with God be restored is because if I'm not right with God, if I'm not connected to oxygen, to living water, in my relationships with other people, it's going to be really, really hard. You want to know why? Because I'm drowning. 
because I'm barely breathing, because I'm barely staying above water. But so many of us have fallen into this cultural myth that just says, find your other half. And I'm going to be honest, sometimes in church, we don't help. Because sometimes we say things like, I got a word and God has the perfect person for you. Just wait on the Lord, sister. Now, I'm not saying, because I actually do believe that God brings people together, so, so, so hear me. I'm more just saying that sometimes if we don't make it quite obvious that the most important relationship that needs to be fixed is yours with God, we can end up running parallel to the world, just believing God's bringing me someone, then my life will be better. Then I'll be whole. But the first relationship that needs to be restored is our relationship with God. Now some of us are saying, well, Harrison, where do I start? How do I possibly fix a relationship with God? This is why I love the Genesis story. Because the Genesis story gives us a sneak peek of the rest of Scripture. When the relationship is fractured, who makes the first move? God. He says, where are you? So here's the good news. If you're in a place right now where you feel like you are far from God, here is the good news. If you feel like your relationship with God is fractured, he always makes the first move. And guess what? He already has. And the story of Jesus runs parallel to Genesis chapter 3 because Jesus on the cross, let me just read what Romans chapter 5 says because Paul puts it so nicely. He says, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know what that means? It means while I was messed up, while I was broken, God made the first move. That's just what he does. It says, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Here's the thing. When scripture says enemies of God, it's letting us know because of our sinful nature, because we were all born east of Eden, God who is holy and who is good is the complete opposite of those who are not and those who are sinners, which is you and I. So our sin literally makes us enemies of God. Now, how does the world treat enemies? Kicks down, pushes out, talks badly about. How does God treat his enemies? Saves them. Brings them closer. That's, this is the gospel, people. The gospel of Christ is that while I was far from him, he made the first move. He made the first move. And so if you're thinking to yourself, man, where do I begin? Here's the best news. It's already done. All I have to do is turn around and respond to the one that has always been chasing me. But here's why it's hard. Because a lot of us struggle with this idea, like, I don't need to be saved. I get it. Like, I know some people carry some stuff into their lives, but not like, I, my life's been pretty good. <laughs> I don't have anything. Um, I, love, I love having little kids because um, little kids, man, in so many ways make me believe in God even more. And to be born east of Eden means I'm born with a sin nature. And I don't, I don't, I don't, when I say that, it's not like kids are born demonic and horrible and it just means that like they're this weird mixture of created in God's image, yet still sinful. And like, man, my son Judah, he's at the age right now, if you guys have seen him, he's like the cutest kid ever. He's got dimples and like, I uh, just like, okay, stop smiling. Um, 
But he's, he's an interesting guy because, like, he's super kind and he's super sweet and, and he loves his sisters and, and he's really kind and all that stuff. But, but then sometimes, sometimes he'll let out, like, a tribalistic scream and just throw a toy at his sister's head and try and pretend like nothing happened. And I know no one taught him that. I know he hasn't seen that from us. I just know that, like, as humans, come on, somebody. Like, we, we are still in God's image. We are still beautiful creatures, but we still got some ish. All of us have some ish. And the promise of the gospel is that God will save us from the things that we could never save ourselves from. That he will forgive the things that we could never forgive in ourselves. But I, I'm, I'm really afraid of the next generation in this particular culture because so many of us are believing the false gospel and the false gospel is that Jesus doesn't save me, my partner saves me. My spouse saves me, my spouse completes me. And I'm gonna show us in this series that, because it might seem like I'm against relationships, obviously not, God created them, but partners, spouses, they are gifts from God, but they are not God's. And I wonder, if the reason some of us are struggling in our marriage, the reason some of us have been serial dating is because our expectation has been that my partner will save me, that my partner will complete me, that my partner will take all of the worst things in me and somehow perfectly reflect the good that exists within me. And I just wonder if the reason when I talked about God's design about 10 minutes ago, the reason some of us welled up inside is because we live in a culture right now that says sex, relationships are God. And I define what my God is. And I define how it looks. But I think God's heart, and I love that song that we're singing, is for us to experience true freedom. Is for us to experience Life and life to the full. And life and life to the full is not found in relationships. Romantic. In terms of them completing you. Life and life to the full is not found in self-help. Because some of us are so into self-improvement that we can't even make room for Jesus. I read Tony Robbins. What do you mean, Jesus? So, what happens is all of us bring in stuff. That's the big point. We all carry stuff. You guys all following? So I want to illustrate this, and I want to show us what God wants to do in it. So um, I'm going to call up uh, just a couple right now. Uh, so Chase, Sid, can you guys come up to the, to the stage right now? Uh, first class boys, do your thing. So, you got it? So, you guys just stay here and look pretty. So, I'm going to preface by this. This is an illustration. These guys are indeed engaged. Come on. So I'm going to say some stuff, but not all the stuff is going to be true. So this is what we're going to do here. Just put this aside for a second. So thank you. So, Sid and Chase, come to the front. Here's, here's what culture says. Culture says essentially this, and I don't know how to show this perfectly or appropriately, but culture basically says these are two half-humans. Chase, you got something missing, 
Sid, you got something missing. And on May, whatever it is, <laughs> that is going to be the day. This is the best man. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the day that you are made whole. You guys hug each other, and that's like your whole. You're whole. Now, what they're going to realize, and probably what every couple has realized, and they're mature enough to already have realized it, is that this person is not the one that their hearts have been longing for in terms of completion. And the truth is, people don't come into relationships as two halves. Instead, they come in with a whole bunch of baggage. So let's illustrate how this looks like. Now, forget Chase and Sid are up here. I'm now moving towards hypothetical couples. You guys following? So hypothetical couple is this. Sid, you can kind of stand over there. Chase, come over here. Um, two individuals. Now, when you get to know someone, when you see someone, as much as you think that you know them, the truth is distance always creates distortion, meaning if you don't meet someone, let's just say 21 years, that means they have 21 years of their life that they have lived that you have never been a part of. And so no matter how close you think you are, you're actually only seeing them at a distance. Now, the farther you are, and let's just pretend these things are a little bit over here. Sometimes your peripheral doesn't allow you to see all the baggage. All you see, yeah, you can stand in front of it. There you go. All you see is each other, and all, see can, all Sid can see is like, look at this beautiful red-headed man. <laughs> and all Chase can see is like, oh my gosh, look at this blonde whatever, like just <laughs> beautiful, <laughs> beautiful, the other word wasn't, I was going to say like bombshell, but that's not really nice. So, um, but the reality is, everyone keep falling back, we didn't practice this, so just <laughs> follow along. The reality is, everyone has something. Both Chase, both Sid were born east of Eden. And not just their sin nature, over time, life just throws things at you. And the reality is, most of what life has thrown at them, they have never experienced together. And so when they come into a relationship, what they don't realize is that everyone has something. We'll call this bag anger. But again, it's not just him because everyone has something. We'll call this bag resentment. Can you hold on to that? Life goes on and some of us have been hurt really bad. We'll call this bag betrayal. Some of us, man, maybe our parents aren't together anymore, so we feel betrayed. Start to carry the bags. Some of us, we carry addictions with us. We'll call this bag, it's getting a little bit bigger. We'll call this bag pornography. Some of us, just have some bad habits. We'll call this bag right here laziness. How many more bags I got here? Sometimes, like and some of you guys have been here, we'll call this bag abuse. Maybe it was physical, maybe it was emotional. But what happens is everyone has something. I got that's enough bags for you. Now, again, when you're at a distance, you can't always see every single bag. But what time does, people say it like this. People say time heals lie. Here's what time does. Time reveals. And the beauty of a relationship is that in a relationship, specifically marriage, one way or another, you're getting closer. 
So if you remember, they started over there looking at each other, all engaged. But as life goes on, you guys get closer. Now, I want you to hold every single bag as best as you possibly can and move closer to each other. Now, they've lived together. They love each other. They're getting closer. But whatever it is, it just seems like there's something that is blocking them from truly being intimate. And what I think the majority of people do, the majority of couples, and I've just, I don't have statistics on this, but what I think happens for so many couples, instead of trying to deal with this, because they try for a while, <laughs> the husband says, can you just be a little more patient? Bag doesn't move. Just sit, you try to grab a bag. Can, can, you just, can you just understand me a little bit more? But the bags stay there. But, but then something happens, because, you know, for a while, it's like, yeah, we're going to deal with this stuff. But then something happens. Um, then they have kids. I'm not, I'm not speaking this prophetically. <laughs> and suddenly the relationship isn't so focused like this. They kind of got to start focusing over here and over here. And if it's not kids, maybe it's jobs. The, the job gets really busy. We start a business together, whatever it is. And so all of these bags still exist, but the reason we don't see them every single day is because we're so focused over here. And so couples end up thinking, you know what, we're partners. We're side by side. We're doing life together. But a lot of couples, it'll be years until they realize we were never face to face. And the reason we didn't end up face to face is because we didn't really want to deal with all these bags. And we buy this lie that this person can get rid of the bag. Sid can get rid of my bags. Chase can get rid of my bags. But you want to know what happens? And this is where relationships get really bad. Um, it's the savior complex. Where Chase, because he's, he's been there, he's, you know, he's kind of mature. Ah, I, I, see, I see the anxiousness in Sid. Let me, let me grab that bag. Can you try to grab that bag? I'm just, just going to grab that bag, but, but, but Sid doesn't want to let go of the bag. It's just stuck. And what happens is when it gets really hard, we just move forward. And then five years, 10 years, 15, whatever it is, we say things like, you know what, we just lost our spark. I don't, I don't even know if I ever really loved you. Because we all got bags. But what I believe that I'm saying in this message and what God wants to do is God is saying, hey, if you focus on me first, healing that relationship. Because God doesn't just want us to be in a relationship with him. He also wants to heal us. And he wants us to be whole. I love, can we put up Ezekiel? Ezekiel 36, here's a promise. It says, um, I will create in him, I'll give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you, and I will move you to follow my decrees and carefully obey um, all of my laws. Do we, is someone on the computer? Because that, that, that text was on this. It should be there, I think. Um, Ezekiel 36. And so I love this promise because what God is promising to do, get this, he is promising to do what your partner can't. As these guys move into a relationship, my spouse can never give me a new heart. 
my spouse can never heal me. You guys remember last week, why was the woman created? To be a helper, not a healer. Those are two different things. God is the healer. God is the one that can, because what happens for a lot of us, if we don't have God, because this is self-help. Self-help just says, I'm going to pick this bag up, and I'm going I'm to hold this, and I'm going to heal myself. But what we don't realize is instead of removing the bag, we just lift it higher. It becomes heavier. Heal myself. I'm going to be a better person. But the promise of the Holy Spirit, I just believe when he says, I'm going to give you a new heart, is to take the bag, is to say, son, I don't want to just remove the bag. I want you to see what's inside of it. Because every single bag that we hold, whether we know it or not, there's something more. Because for the longest time, it's like, I just thought I was angry. I just, like, I just thought I was closed off. Men, we believe this lie. I just, I don't do emotions well. But what the Holy Spirit does is the deep work of saying, son, daughter, let me unpack the bag. And what you see is there's more in there. And it's like, oh, that's why it was so heavy. And that's why the solution wasn't just getting rid of it. Because beneath my hard exterior was a really deep brokenness. And sometimes it's a painful memory that made me hard, that made me closed off. And your partner cannot heal hurts. It is only the work of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit, what he wants to do is he wants to take this. Because Jesus says, he says, come to me, all who are weary, all who are heavy laden, and I'll carry the bag. So when Jesus is the center of the relationship, it doesn't mean the bags all go away at once. Come on, somebody. But what it means is he's going to help kind of clear these things out. I'm going to get rid of this. And, and when you experience the power of Jesus, have you guys ever had that thing that just went away? It's like, man, I was addicted to smoking and it's just gone in one day. And there are other things where it's like, man, I was just, I was so angry, but then God just, he just healed it. And there are other things where it's like, I was just so closed off and God doesn't heal it right away, but he begins to carry it. He carries it for me. And so all of a sudden, all of these bags, he's holding it and suddenly now, as the Holy Spirit's been healing, I have room to see who my spouse is. But I need him. Come on, somebody. I need him. Can we give these guys a round of applause? <laughs> we, got, we got bags on bags up here. So here's the point, and we're going to close so keys can, can come up here. If we buy the lie, that there is a perfect person up there that will heal my heart and change my life. We can get so busy, so distracted, that we can go through our entire lives without being healed, without being whole. And relationships and kids are the greatest blessing from God. But without God, they can actually be the greatest thing that keeps me from being healed because it's just things that I look at. But what I love and what I believe to be true is that God is in the restoration business. God is in the business of restoring. And so uh, can, we, can we just stand for a sec, church, because I, I want us to receive this. 
whatever your status is, whether you're married, single, dating, engaged, wherever you are, I believe that God's call on your life is to be healthy and to be whole. And he can't do it unless we ask him and say, God, I'm ready. I'm I'm turning my eyes towards you. So come on, with with every head bowed, I want you to ask yourself a question. What's the thing I've been looking at that's kept me from being whole? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a business. Maybe it's a goal. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17, it says, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone and the new life is here. All this from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So here's the good news. God is in the ministry of reconciliation. His whole heart for you and for me is to make us whole. And he's already been chasing us. So if you're in this place right now and you're saying, God, I wanna have healthy relationships and I know it starts with you. Maybe I've neglected it. Maybe I've been running away from it. If that's you in this place, can you show me your hand? I would love to pray for you that God's spirit would fall fresh. So Holy Spirit, you are the only one that can heal our hearts. You are what we've been missing. You are what we've been looking for. And God, we're just so thankful that you've given us relationships as a gift. You've given us people as a gift, children as a gift, businesses as a gift. So God, we want to we do these things right. So God, in this place, our baggage, we entrust it to you. It's not gonna happen in one day, it's not gonna happen in one moment, but Holy Spirit, begin to unpack and do the things inside of us that we need to do, that you need to do, that we need so desperately. So God, do what only you can do. We love you, we pray in your mighty and holy name. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's put our hands together. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. We hope that message encouraged and inspired you. If you want more information or you made the decision to follow Jesus, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We would love to connect. Until next time, take care.